I have years and years and years worth of anecdotes to testify for the existence of Conway's law, and I can attest with every fiber of my being that to overcome the communication struggles in an organization requires a tremendous amount of work. This is the Technical Marketing Handbook, a podcast all about digital marketing and the technologies that help make it run. In today's episode, we talk about organizations, communication structures, and agile methodologies. Welcome to the Technical Marketing Handbook. As always, I am your host, Simo Ahaba, the co-founder of Simmer, which is the company that sponsors this podcast. I have to say, this particular podcast episode was difficult to design. When talking about organizations and communication, what we're really talking about is people and human relationships. Companies comprise individuals and individuals are, by definition, unique. So it's very, very difficult to talk about something as generic as organization design so that it could actually be useful for the plurality of actual real-world scenarios out there. But I'll try, nevertheless. My main argument, or my thesis, is that almost every single problem within an organization, heck, almost every single problem anywhere, no matter how large or small or how many others it impacts, can be traced to a communication issue upstream. When we see a bug or an error somewhere, we often want to find the root cause, but instead we're satisfied with just pinpointing the software or the person that was the last point of contact before the error materialized. Over the last 10 years, I've been super active in the developer communities precisely because I've always found it very satisfying to not just fix bugs, but to find out what caused those bugs. Because after fixing the same issue 10,000 times, you tend to get a pretty good grasp of what caused the problem. And I can say with honesty, and I'm not trying to brag here, that I can locate and fix issues related to Google's analytics stack of tools as fast as anyone else out there. And that's because I fixed those pesky type mismatches and syntax errors and data layer incongruences and invalid currency symbols and missing initialization scripts tens of thousands of times. And still these issues crop up on a daily basis even today. Every second that passes, someone has an issue with setting up cross-domain tracking or adding information to the data layer or configuring their Firebase instance to initialize correctly. Every second. Every. Single. Second. Isn't that odd? The same issues are prevalent that have been for the past 10 plus years. You'd think that the technology would catch up and fix them. You'd think that people wouldn't keep making the same mistakes. And yet they do. And here's the catch. It's not because of the tool. It's not because of the individual. It's because organizations are really the sum of their communication structures. 
flaws in those communication structures manifest and project on the individual level in such a way that creates an optimal breeding ground for issues and errors to seep in. At its simplest, we're looking at a lack of a quality assurance process. Individuals are allowed to perform potentially breaking tasks simply because there is no structure in place to communicate what the individual is about to do and for others to chime in, in case there's a QA implication involved. A classical example, one that's really parodied to the point of becoming an archaic stereotype, is the disconnect between those working on the web stack, such as front-end and back-end developers, and those working on tools installed on the web stack, such as marketing managers. The developers push a new release of the site, which ends up breaking the measurement points deployed by the marketers. And this is shockingly common. Now, it's easy to blame the developers. They never wrote the necessary automated tests to ensure that analytics requirements are always respected. They're the ones who released the build that broke. But it's equally easy to blame the marketers. They built their measurement on fragile, unstable tech stacks that are vulnerable to releases. But it's not the individuals that should be blamed. It's not the automated tests that should be blamed. It's not the tag management solutions or the IDEs that should be blamed. It's the lack of a communication structure between the developers and marketers in this case, and thus ultimately the organization's way of handling communication that is the actual root cause. Sometimes the downstream effects are so far away from this root cause that it's difficult to find where the communication structure actually broke. For example, perhaps the analytics tool used by the organization collects the revenue of a site visitor's purchase tax-inclusive, but the sales data warehouse stores tax and revenue separate of each other. If these two data sources need to be joined, there is a mismatch in values that needs to be normalized. Either the analytics data needs to have tax subtracted from it, or the sales engine data needs to have tax included. It's really a simple transformation that can be achieved with basic database management tools or data query interfaces. But what most people fail to see is that to need this transformation in the first place speaks of a broken communication structure somewhere in the organization. At some point somewhere, there was a lack of communication or a miscommunication about how to encode currencies in data warehouses. Perhaps this is because it was never envisioned that these disparate data should be joined or perhaps it's because the analytics work was externalized to an agency. But the fact is that there's been a mistake, and a band-aid has been designed in the form of a transformation. However, each transformation makes the data pipeline weaker as a result. Patching things at the source alleviates a lot of the friction that normalizations down the line introduce. And by introducing or fixing Existing communication structures between the developers and marketers helps alleviate this problem further. What I've talked about in these last minutes can be described in terms of something known as Conway's Law. And we'll get to that as well as some solutions for overcoming Conway's Law right after these words from our sponsor. Are you a marketing or a data professional looking to skill up? Take a look at the online courses Simmer has to offer at teamsimmer.com. 
The courses are completely self-paced and your enrollment will grant you lifetime access to the material, including any updates. Go to teamsimmer.com and use the coupon code HANDBOOK to get 10% off your course purchase. That's teamsimmer.com. Conway's law can be traced back to computer scientist Melvin Conway, who in 1967 wrote the often quoted law. Any organization that designs a system, defined broadly, will produce a design whose structure is a copy of the organization's communication structure. In other words, the systems we use in our organizations, such as the integrated marketing and technology stacks, or more broadly the overall product and service development workflows, mirror the traits and flaws of the communication structures within the organization. When two parties, such as marketing and IT, fail to communicate in an organization, any system they need to design and produce together, such as a website integrated with the marketing stack, will manifest those communication failures. Conway's law was originally no doubt formulated when it was critical that engineers working on one room-sized computer communicated fluently with engineers working on another room-sized computer in order to secure the flow of data and processes between the two room-sized computers. But the law is generic enough to apply not just to actual physical systems such as computers and data pipelines, but to the processes, interactions and human relations within the organization too. And so, in our marketing organizations, if we find the same issues cropping up time after time again, such as an inability to maintain a stable deployment through site releases, or the need to add transformation upon transformation when data is being joined, or the inability to communicate business requirements into measurement goals, or cross-domain tracking and cookie issues wrecking havoc on analysis, it's almost safe to say that the problem isn't in the tools we use or the skills of the individuals. The tools and individuals manifest the symptoms, but the root cause is deeper in the organization. Somewhere within the organization, critical parties have failed to communicate, and this has led to a self-enforcing spiral of bad practices that propagate to all parts of the marketing technology stack. Let's take a couple more examples to see how things that seem like clear, isolated bugs and incidents could instead be manifesting Conway's law. A typical issue with some web analytics tools when measuring the success of a web store, for example, is to have the purchase event be sent to the analytics tool each time the receipt page of the web store is loaded. This means that more often than not, the same transactional data is sent multiple times to the analytics tool, thus inflating key metrics such as the count of transactions and revenue. Often, this is deemed simply as a feature of the tool itself. The tool shouldn't be the arbiter to decide whether or not to deduplicate something that should perhaps not be deduplicated. There might be legitimate reasons for sending the same transaction over and over again, such as when the transaction flows through different approval phases or when the order is updated for other reasons. But typically, this problem is noticed too late, after duplicate data has already been collected. At that point, it's tempting to blame the front-end or back-end developers because they haven't added simple state management to the receipt page. Or it's tempting to blame the analyst or marketer because they didn't appropriately check 
or for duplicates when the data was sent from the browser. But the problem actually spans across stacks. It could have been nipped in the bud anywhere between the backend and the data warehouse where the data ends up in. Due to the lack of communication when e-commerce tracking was implemented, the problem was allowed to manifest. Had there been a multidisciplinary discussion between the stack developers and the marketing technicians, where the problem of duplication was outlined to everyone, this issue would never have emerged. Another example of Conway's law in motion is to take a look at the Twitter phenomenon of SEO horror stories, and there's a link to these in the show notes. So search engine optimization is a very volatile discipline, often subject to some pretty ghastly examples of issues in organizations and in marketing stacks. Some of my favorite examples include things like clients forgetting to add redirects when changing URL structures, resulting in previously indexed pages now showing up as not found and Google Ads landing pages being broken, or A-B redirect tests being run without appropriately preventing the treatment pages from being indexed in Google search, or the staging site being published to the open web without proper blocking of search crawlers or internal links pointing to the staging site itself, or changes being only made in one language version of the site and others being neglected, and so on. SEO is a particularly volatile profession and susceptible to Conway's law because it's often a multidisciplinary effort to set up a proper SEO process in the first place. Without adequate communication between different parts of the digital organization, these issues tend to crop up more often than not. In most of these SEO horror stories, a typical trend seems to be that the developers did something and something bad happened as a result. Not only does this propagate the harmful myth that developers are ogres without sensitivity to what's going on elsewhere in the organization, but the fact is that if the developers did not know how to do something, it's because the SEO experts failed to communicate the requirements to the developers. Or they communicated them, but the organization lacked a proper way to manage and maintain that communication. By fixing these multidisciplinary communication structures, the downstream effects are always remarkable. Simple but catastrophic problems like these just decrease in frequency. So, my thesis statement seems to be that in order to prevent bugs, mistakes, broken builds, broken experiments, patchy data, and just general suffering in an organization from becoming a trend rather than just isolated incidents, something needs to be done with the communication structures within the organization. But what needs to be done? And with which communication structures? What if there are no communication structures to begin with? Well, the simple answer is that there needs to be more communication. That's the long and short of it. Communication needs to improve in both quantity and quality within the communities of expertise, such as between SEOs or between analysts or between developers but also in multidisciplinary contexts, such as when SEOs and developers converge, or when analysts and data engineers try to figure things out. More communication. Better communication. More efficient communication. Again, this is easier said than done. What to do when there are impediments to communicating fluently, such as satellite teams, different time zones, consultants who are paid by the hour, etc., etc., etc.? Well, I like to take a leaf out of Agile Methodologies playbooks at this point, because Agile is all about communication. 
It doesn't matter which framework you look at, SAFE, Scrum, Nexus, Kanban, they're all ways of formalizing communication. Agile is about transparency, it's about delivery. Delivery is impossible without transparency, and transparency itself is impossible without constant communication. Now, I don't mean that your organization or the organizations you work with need to turn agile overnight, but seek inspiration from what agile attempts to achieve. Start with a very, very simple thing. The next time you're part of a team tasked to do something, such as an incremental feature to a website, an A-B test, or designing a new checkout flow, make sure the team includes everyone involved with making this milestone a reality. Don't exclude folks only to invite them in when it's their turn. Everyone should be part of the team from day one. Of course, additional members can be added when needed and others can be removed due to rotation or other reasons, but it's absolutely vital that everyone involved be involved in the team's activities, even if it's not their turn to do anything. Next, introduce a daily meeting of 10 to 15 minutes between the team. This, in my view, is the most important part of introducing structure. In that daily meeting, the team can choose the approach. Some teams have everyone say what they're going to be working on today. Some teams focus on the tasks at hand, going through each task that is in development, and everyone working on those tasks can say how they're going to contribute to the effort of furthering that task on that current day. And some teams use the daily stand-up as a way to catch up, only briefly taking a look at the work itself. Whatever the approach, and it's likely to be a hybrid of these, it's important that everyone communicates. These daily meetings are the place to let others know you're ready to start working on the next e-commerce measurement thing or the next SEO thing or the next A-B test design, for example. You can then involve the relevant stakeholders in the team to be aware of the implications of your work. The daily meeting is also a good way to remind others that yes, you are also part of the team. It's easy to forget someone exists if they're not communicating with you daily. And just by virtue of talking every day, you are improving the communication flow within the organization. Now, these daily meetings might feel very artificial at first, and people might scoff at the routine, but stick with it. The daily meetings often become one of the high points of the day, as it's a moment of absolute transparency within the product team. But they require, as communication always does, discipline. Two other Agile processes you might want to adopt are demos and retrospectives. Demos are super useful to show what the team has been doing to the overall organization. It's important to the structures surrounding the team to be aware of what's going on within the team, as this is a great way to allow good practices to flow from one part of the organization to the next. The demo is often also a way for folks like digital analysts and SEOs to shine, as their work is often very much behind the scenes and lacks the glamour of developers being able to show another cool feature they added to the app. So the demo is your team's way of telling others in the organization that, hey, we've been working on our communication, we've been working on our processes, and this is the outcome. It's also a great place to let others know about your successes and failures, and to let others know that you are constantly working on your processes rather than allowing them to stagnate in a state of disarray. Retrospectives are for your team alone. They should be held frequently enough, for example, once every two or three weeks. 
and their focus should be on analyzing how your efforts as a team are shaping up to be. Their honest meetings, where you analyze the gains and losses in your overall efforts to improve the communication structures. Retrospectives are not to talk about bugs or mistakes, but about the processes that caused those bugs and mistakes. In the right hands, the retrospective is the best tool for a team or an entire organization that's looking to assess their own communication efforts and to identify the link between broken structures and their ill downstream effects. Just remember that a ship doesn't change its course in an instance. You need to stick with the communication plan and allow it to take shape within the idiosyncrasies of your organization. And every Agile team is different. The daily meeting might be an amazing forward-driving asset for one team, but a constant blocker and cause of frustration for another. What's important is that you evaluate this process constantly and try to identify how improvements in your communication have resulted in improvements in your day-to-day work. And once your team hits the groove, it's time to share the goodwill to other parts of the organization. Treat your work as a proof of concept that you can then turn into a case study for other teams too. Or you can ditch Agile completely and just try to figure out the communication issues some other way. Maybe it's by adding more water coolers and coffee machines to the floors. Maybe it's by improving the video conferencing tech. Maybe it's by requiring external consultants to act more like their in-house contemporaries too. Just communicate more. That's the important part. And when a mistake or error happens, instead of instantly pointing the blame at a tool or an individual, try to figure out where the communication breakdown happened and then implement a plan to fix this breakdown. If the developers released a version of the site that broke your analytics build, petition for an additional QA layer to make sure that analytics setups do not suffer in the future. Whether that's through automated tests or through manual overview, it really doesn't matter. What matters is that the root cause of the problem is being actively investigated and proactively fixed. Having said all this, being in a position to improve communication structures within an organization is unfortunately quite a luxury these days. More often than not, the company culture established by the founders is extremely permanent and difficult to change, especially if given time to stagnate. In that context, it might feel like you're just not given adequate means to work on communication structures, and instead you're forced to just handle the downstream effects rather than working on nipping the problem in the bud. For those scenarios, there's really not much I can say, except communication always starts from two individuals talking to each other. If the organization doesn't support your efforts and you're invested enough to not just quit at the spot, try to start establishing your own communication microstructures between yourself and the people you most often need to interact with. It might be as low level as taking the developers whose help you need out for a coffee or doing an impromptu workshop on SEO or analytics needs to them, hoping that they empathize with your position. Similarly, encourage the other person or other persons to share more about their expertise, their requirements, their communication struggles with you, too. Try to establish a community of trust and respect, because you'll find that communication flows more naturally if people actually enjoy each other's company. 
after years and years and years of being in the consultancy business, I still get giddy with excitement when a milestone is reached or a feature is shipped. I still feel stellar disappointment when a bug or a broken release messes things up. And I still feel a powerful sense of achievement when I manage to fix a bug that's been riddling others for days or weeks. But the greatest, most empowering feeling I get is when I'm participating in daily meetings and I can see how people become more empathetic, more sensitive, more attuned to each other's expertise, requirements and idiosyncrasies. I have years and years and years worth of anecdotes to testify for the existence of Conway's law, and I can attest with every fiber of my being that to overcome the communication struggles in an organization requires a tremendous amount of work. So the next time some hair-raising bug stops you in your tracks, or a build is released which breaks your analytics pipelines, or an SEO horror story emerges, turn it into a detective game. Build a multidisciplinary team of investigators, use deductive skills to figure out the root cause, and then induction to generalize this to the organization as a whole. And then suggest appropriate changes to your teams and your organization's communication patterns to make sure the mistake doesn't manifest again. Sometimes it's as easy as introducing a daily meeting or a weekly lunch with the team, but other times it requires seemingly inhuman effort just to get two people to communicate with each other. But it will be worth the effort. I promise. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Technical Marketing Handbook Podcast. I hope that you enjoy these shows and I recommend that if you haven't already, please subscribe using whatever podcast service you most enjoy using so that you don't miss the episodes as I release new ones every two weeks.